Good morning, and welcome to the worship of God here at Old Town Community Church. Uh, for those in, uh, of you in the sanctuary, it's good to see you this morning. For those of you who are joining us online, we're really glad uh, that you've joined us in this way. Today, uh, we continue our journey through the story of, of God's love through Scripture. I'll say more about that a little bit later. Uh, as we gather in worship, we're going to celebrate God uh, by singing songs of praise and, and worship to him, as well as we're going to have time of prayer and update on our mission together. Uh, Rolanda, welcome back from Guest Worship Leaders. Good to have you again. And uh, why don't we begin our time uh, together by standing and singing. Let's stand. darkness run for cover but the miracle that I just can't get over my name is registered in heaven 
I believe in signs and wonders. I believe in signs and wonders. I have resurrection power. Still the miracle that I just can't get over. My name is registered in heaven. My praise, my praise belongs to you forever. This is my testimony from death to life. Cause grace rewrote my story. I'll testify by Jesus Christ the righteous. I'm justified. This is my testimony. This is my testimony. Come together, sons and daughters, bought with blood and washed in water, bought with blood and washed in water. Sing the praises of the Spirit, Son and Father, our God will finish what He started. Yes, our God will finish what He started. This is my testimony from death to life, cause grace rewrote my story. I'll testify by Jesus Christ the righteous, I'm justified. This is my testimony, this is my testimony, this is my testimony, from death to life, cause grace rewrote my story, I'll testify, by Jesus Christ the righteous, I'm justified, this is my testimony, this is my testimony, thank you Lord. I'm not dead, you're not done. Greater things are still to come. Oh, I believe. If I'm not dead, you're not done. Greater things are still to come. Oh, I believe. If I'm not dead, you're not done. Greater things are still to come. Oh, You're not done. Greater things are still to come. Oh, I believe this is my testimony from death to life. Cause grace rewrote my story. I'll testify by Jesus Christ the righteous. I'm justified. This is my testimony. This is my testimony. Down. Before you sit down, find somebody nearby to greet and say good morning to.
Thank you all for taking a moment to greet one another. Uh, while we're up here greeting one another, singing, praying, worshiping, we have a few kids' classes downstairs that are having a lot of fun of their own. So we're going to take a look now at what specifically they're talking about today downstairs. Hi, friends. Good morning. This week in Old Town Kids, we are continuing our series, The Stars in the Sky, where we are learning about Abraham and his family. Now, if you were with us last week, you might remember we were learning about when God surprised Abraham and Sarah with a child. Now, they had wanted a baby for a really long time, and they thought they were too old to have a baby, and God said, nope. It's time. It's time for you to have a baby. And we learned about that story and how unbelievable and impossible that felt and how Sarah even laughed. Sarah laughed because she couldn't believe that God was, was going to give her a child. And all throughout this series, one of the things that we have been talking about and will keep talking about is how Abraham is always talking to God and asking God for help and listening to God and trusting in God. And this week, we are looking at a story where Abraham trusts God in a really hard time. Have you ever made a sacrifice? A sacrifice is when you give up something that you care about, something that you want to do or, or something that matters a lot to you, and you give it up for someone else. Now, sacrifices look a lot of different ways, but in this week's story, God asks Abraham to make a sacrifice of something that is very important to Abraham, and Abraham has waited a very long time for. And we'll be learning all about that sacrifice in today's lesson, but we will be thinking about how all throughout the story, Abraham trusts God. And not only that, but God does not leave Abraham. God provides for Abraham. And the same is true for us. When we do things that are hard, God is walking with us through that, and God has forgotten us, and God knows how we are feeling and wants us to trust that he is there with us and cares about us and has not forgotten us in those times. So that's what we'll be learning about today in Old Town Kids, a story of trusting God and God's provision, God providing and not leaving and remembering Abraham all through the story, just like he does for us. So that's it for me for now, and I'll see you next time. Bye! Thank you, Sarah. We have a, a lot of activity on the horizon here at OTCC. Starting today, uh, after worship, we have a town hall meeting. Uh, and then a week from today, we have our annual meeting. So if you're new to the rhythms uh, of OTCC, every year we have an annual meeting, uh, usually at the end of January. So in advance of the annual meeting, there's a town hall meeting today where our Servant Leadership Council will present the budget, will present nominated lay leaders, uh, both of which will be considered and up to vote at the annual meeting next week. Uh, and if you are here with us next week, we shared some more details. Uh, I'll summarize it in one sentence. It will be fun, okay? When you see meeting, think celebration. We're going to have fun. The annual meeting will include lunch. It'll be in the fellowship hall, uh, and I really encourage you to attend. But town hall meeting today, right here after worship. For people worshiping online, you can go to oldtown.cc slash worship after the service concludes, uh, and I'll meet you there on Zoom to help you get connected to the town hall meeting, which is today, right in here after worship. Next week, fellowship hall. After worship, lunch. Uh, OTCC, we're providing sandwiches and soup. Uh, encourage those attending to bring a side or dessert based on 
uh, what your last name starts with. If you are attending, please help us uh, prepare accordingly. You have a connection card in your bulletin. Uh, you can RSVP for it. That'll help us prepare for the lunch itself. These can go in an offering box in the back, down the stairs, or in the foyer. Last note on both the town hall meeting and the annual meeting, child care is provided for both. So if you uh, want to attend and have kids, child care downstairs is provided for both of those. So that's the next two Sundays. Uh, and then we're roaring on into February uh, with a, a lot of fun in store. There's a, a cookie party for Old Town Kids that's happening in the Fellowship Hall on the 4th. The Saturday after that, there's a men's breakfast. You can sign up for that uh, also on your connection card. And then if you are new to the community here or if you're interested about membership at OTCC, highly encourage you to check out OTCC 101 on the 12th. You'll learn more about the church, connect with other newcomers, connect with the staff, uh, and again, have a good time. So lastly, I want to say uh, a big thanks to, we had an amazing crew of volunteers uh, this past Friday. We do a food distribution on the third Friday of every month with our partners alive, and we gave away boxes with grains, uh, items to bake. We gave away meat, bread, eggs, uh, and had a really good time doing it, as is the case every single time. We had someone who had been there at every single food distribution, and we had somebody who came for the very first time. So you can help us continue that trend uh, next month, the 17th of February, is our third Friday food distribution with our friends at Alive. Uh, and last little mission note, this coming Wednesday, uh, our Open Table Breakfast Ministry celebrates six consecutive years uh, of serving breakfast and lunch to go every single Wednesday. Uh, and so we're going to have a special time this week, and we'll share a little more details about what that looked like the following week. We're going to turn to Scripture now, uh, and we are in Genesis 3 today, and that is our Scripture reading. So if you'd like to follow along in your Bible, you can open it or launch to Genesis 3. The text will be on the screens behind me as well. We are doing all of it here, so let's jump in together. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? 
The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and wild animals. You will crawl on your belly, and you will eat dust all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. To the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all the living. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the garden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. This is God's word for us this morning. This is Genesis 3. Let's pray together now. Lord, we are grateful for the way that you speak to us through Scripture, and God, for the way that you speak to us in community. Lord, as we're stepping into this journey of your story throughout this entire year, God, we ask that your presence guide us through these early passages here in Genesis, particularly this morning, Genesis 3. Lord, as we examine it together, as we step into it together and dwell on your word and dwell on the story of Adam and Eve, God, help us grasp a deeper sense of you at creation, God, and your care and desire for us as human beings to be your servants, God, and stewards of this earth that you've created. Lord, we thank you for the reality that we're able to look at Scripture together, gathered here in worship, and that we're able to pray together, that we're able to sing songs of praise to you together. Lord, as we are gathered as a congregation here, help us uh, with unity and with one mind seek your direction for us together as the church. And Lord, Uh, We trust that you will inform us uh, in our lives that we scatter about and attend to each week. Lord, help us be attentive to your mission, not just when we gather and not just when we come to church, but Lord, the mission that we know you call us to in our homes, in our workplaces, in our schools, on the errands we run, in the social circles we inhabit. Lord, we thank you for filling us when we're gathered, but God, help us keep in the forefront of our minds, the reality that, Lord, you are commissioning us when we scatter to represent you and God, to both in word and deed demonstrate who you are with our lives. 
So Lord, we thank you for filling us up when we're gathered. We offer our, our praises, our prayers, everything that we do here uh, as an offering to you and uh, ask and hope, Lord, that, that it is pleasing to you as we continue to do that this morning. In the name of Jesus, our Lord, amen. Let's keep doing that, keep praising God together through song. I invite you to stand with me. Your mercy never fails me All my days I've been held in your hands From the moment that I wake up Until I lay my head I will sing of the goodness of God And all my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. I love your voice You have led me through the fire And darkest nights You are close like no other I've known you as a father I've known you as a friend And I have lived in the goodness of God And all my life you have been faithful And all my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able I will sing of the goodness of God All my you have been faithful all my life you have been so so good with every breath that I am able I will sing of the goodness of God I will sing of the goodness of God Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I surrender now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. One more time, your goodness is running. Your goodness is running after. It's running after me Your goodness is running after 
goodness of God I will sing of the goodness of God Hallelujah A few weeks ago, uh, Pastor Brian said he really liked watching time-lapse videos. Well, good for him. Uh, I get a kick out of watching uh, blooper videos in my spare time. And I really kind of like the, the wedding bloopers. They're always fascinating. You know, everybody is so uptight. Everybody wants things to be just right and perfect. And then something always happens. I almost something in some every wedding something happens for example take a look at this one take a look okay stop it michael well it, it went back that's interesting all right stop right there now show of hands who says they're going to make it to the table who says it's going to fall yeah okay all right let's go keep going michael All right, stop right there. Okay, that's desperate. That's really desperate, right? He's, he's now holding it, two hands, and in his mouth. But I like his buddy. His buddy has no confidence in, about, in what's about to happen. He's just, he's done. The buddy's done. Okay, go ahead. Oh, okay, there it goes. Okay. Um, so... The only person not laughing was the person who paid for the cake, more than likely. Well, today we continue our series, The Story, and this series is exploring the story that runs completely through the Bible from beginning to end, and that's God's redeeming love for humankind. We can go ahead and take that off the, uh, the screen there. So last week we explored the beginning of the beginnings. We explored Genesis 1 and 2, and we learned about the nature of God and the nature of humankind, who God intended for us to be. Genesis 1 and 2 described this incredible paradise. Creation is, in Genesis 1 and 2, as God intended it to be. The trees and the seas are existing perfectly. The animals are existing perfectly. Our first parents are existing perfectly in the garden, in full and unbroken communion with God. Now, if we want to continue the baking analogy, the cake was just as God intended it to be. It was perfect. Then it went terribly wrong. In Genesis chapter 3, we find that it went terribly wrong. Now, this is such a pivotal text. I asked Pastor Brian to read it in its entirety this morning. We cannot cover all of it. But what I'd like for us to do this morning is I'd like to take a look at the sinners, the Savior, the seeker, and the Savior. The sinners, the seeker, and the Savior. Let's take a look at the sinners. Adam and Eve's story of sin is our story. So we're included in this conversation. It is helpful since this is part of our story. It is helpful for us to know the why of sin, the path to sin, and the consequences of sin. The why of sin. Why do we sin? Have you ever asked that question? 
I mean, why didn't God just make us without the ability to sin? One attribute we explored of God last week is that God is relational and that God created us to live in relationships. That God made us with hearts. God made us with this sense of desire for relationship. God didn't create us just to be robots to take care of his creation. God made us in his image and he made us to be the crown of creation. This means God created us with a free will. We are free to choose to obey God or disobey God. We are free to choose to love God or not love God. We are free to choose to draw toward God or pull away. God wants us to freely choose to love him. God does not coerce us into this relationship. Let me give you an example. Everybody in this room, more than likely, at some point in your life, has had some sort of party or social engagement that you didn't want to go to. Maybe it was the boss at work, or maybe it was the distant cousin that you barely know, their wedding perhaps. Maybe it was the annoying neighbor. You fill in the blank. You are just not in a friendship, I want to go to that party kind of relationship. But for social reasons and conventions, you feel like you must go. That is not an ideal friendship context. Well, in the same way, God doesn't want you to feel coerced to come to his party. God wants you in a relationship because he loves you, and God wants this to be reciprocal. God wants you to love him. Free will. We have been given the power to choose God or to reject God. The second sort of why of sin, is really kind of simple. We like to call the shots. God told Adam and Eve that they could have everything except that one tree, except the fruit of that one tree. God had a direct desire for how he wanted them to live. God has desires for your life and over your life that God wants you to follow. His ways, his desires, his path, is not only the path he wants for you, but it's the path that is best for you and right for you. But as humankind, we like to call our own shots. The serpent said to Eve, hey, eat it, and you will become like God. In other words, eat it, and you will be sovereign over your life, not God. We think we know better. All sin is an act of direct rebellion, and it is saying to God, I've got this. I know exactly how my life should go. I know exactly how I want my life to go, and you don't need to tell me what to do. How many parents have heard that from their children? You don't need to tell me what to do. The very core of being a disciple of Jesus is submitting our life to his life. It is trusting and following his way. Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for me will find it. Now notice in there, you can't read between the lines. There's no fine print 
There's no you know, small print at the bottom of that text that where Jesus said, hey, you follow me and we'll negotiate and we'll compromise the way that we should go. We'll meet in the middle. I'll listen to you in what you think is best. We don't see any of that there. No, God wants to be sovereign. He wants our joyful, glad obedience. Sin is saying to God, I am sovereign over my life. I've got this. I know better. So we have this free will. We have this desire to simply say, hey, I want to be in charge of my life. Thank you, God. You can just stay right here in the backseat or maybe for an hour on Sunday. The third way of the why of sin is, is legitimate need met in illegitimate ways. We have legitimate needs in life. We have a need to be loved. We have a need for dignity and self-worth. We have material needs to sustain life. We have a need for purpose and direction. We have a need for intimacy in relationships. Often sin is an illegitimate way to meet a legitimate need. A person has a legitimate need to feel valued. But rather than finding worth in God and receiving the worth from God, this person puts other people down so that they can feel a little higher. Someone has a legitimate need for provision, but they cheat on their taxes to squeeze just a little bit more for themselves instead of trusting God. Someone has a legitimate need for joy and happiness, but rather finding it in the graces of God, they fall into the snares of materialism. And on and on and on. So we see here just three, if you will, whys of sin that we have. Let's move to the pathway to sin. The pathway to sin, first of all, often begins with doubt. The serpent opened the door to temptation by using doubt and also arrogance. You see the question in that text, did God really say? Now, the serpent wasn't on a fact-finding mission here. The serpent didn't want Eve to say exactly what Eve thought God said. No, the serpent was mocking God. Did God really say? Come on. No way. What is it you think God wants you to do? Or what God doesn't want you to do? Often, the pathway to sin begins with doubting God's word, doubting God's way. Now, to be sure, there's room for struggles in our faith. There is room for questions in our faith. There is room for doubts in our faith. In the Bible, we see several examples of people struggling with doubt and struggling with questions and leaning in to God. So, for example, there's a beautiful, beautiful contrast between Mary, the mother of God, and Eve here. When the angel Gabriel told Mary, the mother of God, hey, you're going to be with child even though you're a virgin, Mary says, hey, tell me about this. What do you mean? What do you mean I'm going to have a child? And she leaned in, she inquired, she leaned in in faith to what the angel had to tell her. Eve, in this situation, leaned away when she heard the question of the serpent. Mary leaned in in faith, Eve leaned away in her doubt. If and when you have doubts about the faith, lean in, lean in. Ask God to help you with your questions. Deal with your doubts. Wrestle with them. Struggle with them. Talk to someone about them. Don't let them just sit there. 
Because doubts and questions about the faith can, if you're not careful, lead to disbelief. The serpent took another bite at the apple, if you'll pardon the pun, and came back and said to Eve, no, you will not certainly die. No. So we've gone to full-blown disbelief in what God says. For God knows your eyes will be open and you will become like God. She went from doubting to disbelief in what God intended. In our cultural context, sin is not a concept that is embraced by many. Don't get me wrong, no one, no generation has ever been comfortable or liked talking about the subject of sin. It is the most challenging and personal subject. But in previous generations, sin was at least a concept that people embraced. Now the idea of right and wrong and a sense of morality and how we are to treat others has become more subjective. And rather than calling something evil, wrong, or sinful, our culture is quicker to move to some other cause than someone's personal moral failure, their sin. This is a cultural and massive form of disbelief. Because you see, if you say you believe in God, but you don't really think sin is something to take seriously, or if you think you can define what sin is, or if you don't think sin is real, then what you've done is you've taken God and you've made God in your own image. You've crafted God how you want God to be. And when we do this, that's the slippery slope to disbelief. You might believe in a God that you've created, but you don't believe in the God of the story. Doubt, disbelief, then disobedience. I don't need to say a lot here. She ate, Adam ate, we all sin. So that's the pathway to sin. Now let's look at the consequences of sin. There are, there are a few. First of all, there's spiritual alienation. In other words, your vertical relationship, your relationship with God. Sin separates us from God. Adam and Eve did not want to be in the presence of God in their sinful state. When it comes to sin, we're the ones hiding. We're the ones who pull away. In my previous church, the the youth group would often go on uh, week-long mission trips in the summer. And uh, I would go on a, I went on a few of these while I was there. And one, we went to this uh, retreat center down in Mississippi, and uh, the kids stayed in cabins really near the woods, and there was a tree line right behind the cabin. And the last night of the trip, the, the guys of, in the youth group pulled a massive set of pranks. Now, let me, let me preface this by saying on the first night of the trip, we read them all the rules and boundaries that they have to stay within. So, as you can imagine, on the last night, thinking that there wouldn't be any trouble on the last night, right, they just blew through most of those boundaries. And I'll never forget watching our chaperones kind of trying to corral the teenage boys, which is a fascinating subject all by itself. And I remember looking at some of the boys in the woods, and they were literally going back to Genesis chapter 3. They were hiding behind trees. Seriously. That's what Adam and Eve did. They kind of hid in the trees. Those boys were hiding behind trees. We do the same metaphorically with God, don't we? 
We pull away and we try to hide. Then there's guilt and there's shame as a consequence. The scripture says their eyes were opened and they realized that they were naked. In the Bible, naked means so much more than without clothing. It has a sense of this incredible vulnerability. The text says they were ashamed. Shame will wreck you from the inside out. And so they made fig leaves to try to cover up. They didn't want to show God. They didn't want to show the world who they really were. Sin causes shame, and shame causes us to hide from others. It causes us to keep from letting others into our lives. And then we have broken relationships, external. There's broken relationships with others. It's just such a classic part of the passage. Adam threw Eve and God under the bus. The woman you put here with me did this. Eve threw the serpent under the bus. And you, she may as well have said, the serpent you made deceived me. From that moment on, sin has disrupted our relationships. It's just disrupted relationships between individuals. It's disrupted relationships between groups of people. Bigotry, racism, sexism, and the like are the result of sin just wreaking havoc in relationships between people and groups of people. We even see the break between the creation and the natural order. Work will be hard. You heard that in the text Brian read. Work will be hard. Childbirth will be painful. When sin entered the world, death, disease, and decay entered the world. We're alienated from the very creation that God said, hey, this is your job. Take care of my creation. We're alienated from it. One scholar reflected on the work of the Anglican evangelist George Whitfield in the 18th century. And Whitfield once said, do you know why the birds of the air screech at you and the animals of the ground growl at you? And he said, because they know you have a quarrel with their maker. They know you have a quarrel with their maker. Poetic, but you get the point. We're alienated in every way from people, from creation and all. Now, have you ever wondered... As we read this story, have you ever wondered when God told Adam and Eve not to eat from the fruit of that tree? God definitely said, you know, you will die. But have you ever wondered why God didn't unpack that just a little bit more and say, hey, you're going to have to work and you'll sweat. You're not going to like it. There's going to be pain in childbirth. There's going to be suffering. There's going to be evil. There's going to be disease. The, the ground, next time you pull a weed and it sticks your finger, you know, you can blame that. You know, all this kind of stuff. Why didn't God just spell it out and say, hey, this is going to be a problem? It's if we'd have known all that, we'd have probably said, go ahead, go on, little serpent. I'll pass. One scholar said if they knew what would happen, they would have engaged in a cost-benefit analysis exercise. They would have followed God because what was in it for them, not because God is God, and not because joyful, glad obedience. Not because you would say to God, God, I'll follow you and trust you as my sovereign. God, I will follow you because I owe you my life. No, it would have been... I'll follow you because what's in it for me. Have you ever done that? 
God, if you'll just heal me, I'll live for you. God, if you'll just take care of this job situation, I'll make sure to go to church every Sunday. And maybe I'll increase my offering a little. God, if you will just, you fill in the blank. See, when we do that, that's cost-benefit. That's what's in it for us. Not obeying God for the sake of God. Sin and sinners. As dreadful as this chapter may seem, there's some really good news tucked away in it. Let's look now at the seeker. In the middle of all this brokenness, we see the scene drenched in the mercy of God. We see God seeking Adam and Eve. We like to hide. God likes to seek. God initiated the relationship in the first place, and now we see God moving toward Adam and Eve, not only looking for them, but providing garments for them to protect them from the harshness of life ahead. Consider this for your life. You may be pulling away from God, but God is searching, seeking, and looking for you. You may be pulling away, but God is drawing near to you. In sin, we hide, but God seeks. We cover, God uncovers and reveals. God asked Adam, where are you? It is not that God didn't know where Adam was. God wanted Adam to reveal where he was. God wanted Adam to stop hiding and to own up to what he had done. If you're struggling with guilt and shame, if you're hiding, please know that God loves you. Please know that God sees you. And please know that God forgives you. Of course we face the consequences of our sin. Adam and Eve did. But God forgives, God heals, God restores and puts lives back together that have been shattered by sin. Let me say something to you as a church. This is one of the most powerful and sacred roles we have to play as the church of Jesus in our culture. We are to be people seeking. We are to be those who seek people who are hiding from God. We are to be people who draw near and show the mercy and the love and the kindness of God. We are to be a people who help people break the chains of guilt and shame with the love and mercy of Jesus. We are not to be critical, judgmental, gossipy, rumor-spreading, untrustworthy people. People hide. God and His church seeks those who are hiding. And we offer the love and the grace and the mercy and forgiveness of God. And I'm telling you, when the church grabs that purpose, people cannot stay away from grace and mercy. They will be drawn, wooed, compelled to follow. So we have sinners, we have the seeker, we have the Savior. In this massive scene of chaos and rebellion, we see a prophecy about Jesus. Take a look again at the text in which God curses the serpent, uh, 14 and 15. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you'll eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman 
and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. The offspring mentioned here is prophecy about Jesus. Jesus will crush the head, the power, the pervasiveness of Satan and all evil. He did already on the cross. He defeated the power of sin and death. You know, when you look at the big story, Adam and Eve lost their battle with a tree. Generations later, Jesus would do battle with his tree, the cross, in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he won that battle. And because he won, we won. Because he won, we win. Well, it is appropriately called the fall of humankind because that's what it was. Sin, guilt, and shame entered the world. Sin is a reality we all deal with. But thanks be to God, he moves toward us in forgiveness and mercy and grace. You know, I'm not creative enough to, to uh, be able to run that cake video in reverse. So you could see it going from splattered on the floor all the way back, being restored to perfection. I'll trust you to visualize that. That's what God is up to in this story. That's what God is up to. We have fallen. We've made an utter mess of God's good and perfect creation. We've made an utter mess of our lives at times. But God the seeker, Jesus the Savior, is at work putting us back. Putting us back to the way he made us and the way he made his world. The deal for us is we have to trust him and trust his grace, trust his work to put us back the way he intended us to be. That's where the story is headed. I invite you this morning to take this part of the story into your heart. Regularly do battle with sin. Ask God for the grace to withstand temptation. When you sin, own up to it, confess it before God and ask for forgiveness. Seek restoration and ask for the grace to walk in repentance. And God will put you back together. Amen? Amen. Next week, we go boating with a guy named Noah. Let's pray. God, we thank you for loving us, for seeking us, for finding us, God, for pouring your grace and your mercy over us. God, in this passage from Genesis chapter 3, this, this massive turn in the story, we see, God, the impact and the consequences and the danger of sin. God, we see these common ways that we we fall. We want to call the shots. We want to do, God, at times what we want to do. We want to think we know better. Lord, in faith, help us to confront those areas of our lives that are displeasing in your sight. In faith, let us confess those and trust your mercy and forgiveness. Let us receive your forgiveness, your incredible cleansing from sin. In faith, O oh God, help us to walk in repentance by your grace. 
So Lord, do what you will do, what you have your way this morning in our hearts and in our lives. May we continue to turn to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Rolanda is going to lead us in our final song. Let's stand together as we sing. Above all powers, above all kings, above all nature and all created things, above all wisdom and all the ways of man, you were here before.
Thank you, Rolanda. Thank you all for worshiping with us this morning. Let's close in prayer. God, as we leave this place, fill us with your spirit. Lord, give us power in the week ahead. God, help us be bold to seek those who need to know you and who need to know your love in the week ahead. Give us the power and the opportunity to make your name known. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.